All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. We continue our 2019 NFL season preview series by discussing the AFC South and NFC South divisions. Do the Colts, Jaguars, Texans, and Titans all have reasonable claims to a division title? Can we lock in the Saints to win their division once again? We answer those questions and more in the third of our four-part series. But before we preview the two South divisions, we talk about Josh Gordon's reinstatement from his indefinite suspension. Finally, we'll wrap up today's show by counting down the things we most want to change about the NFL in today's top five. covered the AFC East and the NFC East, as well as the AFC North and the NFC North last week. So if you haven't listened to those yet, why don't you go back and check them out at some point after listening to this episode, where we will talk about the AFC South and the NFC South. Uh, But before we get into that, let's start with uh, one of the bigger headlines of the week, and that is surrounding New England Patriots wide receiver Josh Gordon, who was conditionally reinstated by Commissioner Roger Goodell following an indefinite suspension last December. Uh, not the first time that Gordon has been suspended due to some of his off-the-field activities, but he's back, and the Patriots are excited to have him back in the offense. So uh, with that, let's talk to our resident Patriots fan, Brian, to get uh, your initial opinions on Josh Gordon being a part of the team in 2019. Yeah, so obviously Josh Gordon's career has been mostly a disappointment due to all of his off-field issues uh, with his alcohol problems and um, just just constantly getting suspended with the Browns and even last year with the Patriots. And I think anyone who is a fan of redeeming themselves or fans of, of, of stories of redemption or wants to see him come back into the NFL and be successful. Uh, I think I think we're all rooting for him, especially if you're someone that has uh, problems like similar to Josh. Uh, my thing is, though, I just want to see if he can be reliable and if he can uh, come into the Patriots system once again and provide Tom Brady and the Patriots offense more help. Yeah, I thought he looked good in his uh, previous outings with the Patriots when he has been able to play. Uh, but what is his current standing? I mean, like I know he's been reinstated, but is he good to go? I, I was under the impression he was still somewhat um, uncertain about what was going to happen to him moving forward. So he he isn't cleared to play, per se, um, but he... He has to go through the, the standard conditioning process that players need to do in the offseason, in training camp, in the preseason to be able to be uh, cleared to get on the field. So 
he won't be playing this week in the preseason. I, I believe the expectation is that the Patriots hope that he'll be good to go week one. Uh, we'll see how that plays out for him. Obviously, his health is a big part of it, uh, both his mental health and his physical health. He, he has uh, reportedly been keeping up with football activities uh, during this time off. Uh, Brian, I know you touched upon it. It's like, I'm not a Patriots fan. I, I don't necessarily want him uh, back on the Patriots team and producing well, but as a, as a human being, uh, you do want, you want him to see succeed him succeed as a, as a human. Yeah. You don't, I mean, but you don't want to see the Patriots succeed, but if, if they are, it's mostly, you want to see Gordon being the one, I guess, I don't know, redeeming himself from everything that's gone on in his life, I guess. Sure, and you, you don't want to see a guy who, who clearly has some mental health struggles uh, continue to struggle. You want to see him get better. And if he's at the point in his life where he is okay to come back onto the field and play, then that's great. That, that tells you that he is, he's made a lot of strides since December when he was uh, obviously at a very low point in his life. And from here, it'll be interesting to see what he does to the Patriots. Uh, 40 catches, 720 yards, three touchdowns. He's very good for them. And this is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of reliability at the wide receiver position. No, the, this receiving core, outside of maybe the 06 receiving core of Rache Caldwell and J- Javar Gaffney, I, I don't think there has been ever a, a worse receiving core than this year, especially if you include tight ends, which means no Gronk this year since... He is now re- officially retired. Who knows? Maybe he'll come back middle of the season. But regardless, I yeah, this is not a very good receiving core, and they they need Josh Gordon for sure. And if and another thing I like to mention, if I if you told me that after he was suspended week fifteen or whatever part of the season it was last year um, for once again abusing the substance abuse policy. Uh, if you told me that he'd come back by August, September of next year, back on the Patriots roster, I would have thought you were nuts because I really thought now that he was with the Patriots and getting in more trouble still, I thought that was the last drop. But once again, he's back. Yeah, and I, I think from here, you know, I, I was also under the impression that that would have been the, the final chance he received. But he's back, and it's hard to think that the NFL would give him another chance. And like you said, especially with an organization like the Patriots who don't necessarily tolerate that in the same way as other organizations do. Um, but I, I think the, at this the point... The talent level is off the charts. I mean, yeah, the fact and, that his career year in 2013, he put up, what, 1,600 receiving yards mm-hmm. with the Browns out of all teams, with Jason Campbell as his quarterback. Uh, clearly, he's one of the most talented receivers in the league and it's one of the reasons why he's still in the league because he's made plenty of mistakes in his throughout his career and probably shouldn't have had that many chances but the browns kept kept dealing with it and even the patriots now he's also one of the most talented car salesmen in the league uh, as he spent some of his off time uh, selling cars in cleveland and he even i know he sold at least one so uh, it makes him at least top five in the league, I bet, just off the bat. Really, like at like a Ford dealership, or some like used car yeah. salesman. Wow. Yeah, because um, Josh Gordon is pretty popular on the Reddit uh, or the subreddit for fantasy football, and somebody who plays fantasy football bought a car from Josh Gordon and put in a picture of him and Josh Gordon shaking hands, uh, and he's like, I, "Well, he might not be on my team anymore, but I just bought a car from Josh Gordon or something like that." <laughs> wow. Like, <he's, laughs> dude. 
fantasy football loves Josh Gordon. Like p- fantasy football nerds, uh, especially love him because of he had those uh, that amazing run uh, with the Browns where he was just back to back games with like 200 yards. I think it was back back to back, right? I haven't looked at the stats in a while, but he had just a tremendous run, especially with the Browns. I mean, the whole time you're just thinking, imagine if he was on a good team. Now he's on the Patriots. This is everybody's. This is what everyone wanted, and you just gotta hope he can stay on the field long enough for us to see some sort of payoff. I'm excited about it that he's back. Um, but we'll see. I, these repeat offenders just, I lose faith very quickly. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Uh, just given his history that there has to be a lot of questions about how long he can stay on the field. He has produced in the past. He was solid for them last year, and they're going to really need to count on him. No Rob Gankowski, is, that's one of the bigger losses in the entire league. And after Julian Edelman, it's you got a lot of veterans and a lot, a lot of young of guys. Yeah, a lot, a of, lot of players that you don't know what you can count on. So, which Gordon not excluded to that, just in the sense of how long can you count on him. But uh, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he has on the Patriots this season and how long he's able to uh, stay clean and keep up his his well-being. So certainly a guy to uh, root for personally and professionally to an extent, knowing what team he plays for. So. All right, uh, with that, let's move on to our divisional previews. And this week we are doing the South Division. So we will start off with the AFC South. And last season, the Houston Texans started out 0-3, only to win 11 of their final 13 games to win the division. Colts started 1-5, and they wound up winning 9 of their last 10 to make it as a wild card, beating the Tennessee Titans in the final game of the season who narrowly missed out on the playoffs. The final playoff team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or final division team, Jacksonville Jaguars, they won the AFC South in 2017, came very close to going to the Super Bowl, uh, holding a 10-point lead over the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. They struggled mightily last season, going 5-11, and but they addressed seemingly their biggest weakness at the quarterback position by signing Nick Foles, Super Bowl hero. So, with all four teams looking like in good shape, can they all reasonably believe that they're going to win the division this season? I'm going to say false. I don't think, one, for the Colts, I think if Andrew Luck, if all the news that has been coming out uh, recently... Uh, the past couple of weeks with his high ankle sprain, if he's really going to miss some time, even though I think Jacoby Brissett is a more than a capable backup quarterback for the Colts, I don't think without Andrew Luck, I don't think they have a chance of winning the division. And then two, the Titans, I don't trust Mariota or Ryan Tannehill at all, uh, whatsoever in their offense, leading their leading as the starting quarterback. So uh, I'm going to say that I don't, I wouldn't say all four teams have. Um, maybe a small chance, but I'm I don't I'm not confident in those two teams, if, especially if Andrew Luck is unhealthy. Yeah, I got to share your doubt in the Titans. Um, also, I hate the way that they managed their running back situation last season and totally not letting Derrick Henry run wild. And then towards the end of the season, we saw what happens when you hand the ball to Derrick Henry like twenty plus times in a game. So, I think. I mean, that's going to have to uh, take a change in coaching. And for me, it doesn't really seem like that's going to go, that's going to happen. But 
the bad bad choices on offense and also Mariota at this point I think we've seen isn't doesn't have the ceiling that I think the Titans expected uh, when they drafted him second overall. So I think that really is going to hamper their ability to, to compete with these other great teams. I, I was the one who originally posed this question, and I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think of the AFC South is the most well-rounded, top-to-bottom division in the league. You look around some of the other divisions. The AFC East has the Dolphins. The AFC North has the Bengals. The NFC East has the Giants and the Redskins. There are a lot of teams that you have pretty low expectations for and be very surprised if they end up in the playoffs. And while I think the Colts are the favorites in this division, Andrew Luck has some injury concerns. Now, if it's just going to be missing the first couple games, that may not be as detrimental, especially with a solid backup to Jacoby Brissett. But with that, I think it kind of opens the door for some of these other teams that they also have flaws. You guys can point out the Titans and Marcus Mariota. You know, the Jaguars with Nick Foles, we know that he can come up big when it matters, but is he going to be able to sustain himself for 16 games? Is the defense going to play like they did last season, or are they going to return to their dominant ways? And I think that they can go in a lot of different directions. I expect them to be better than 5-11 and 11 that they were last season. Well, look at the Texans, who won the division last year. They certainly have holes with their offensive line and their secondary, but they have a arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins. They have a great young talented quarterback in Deshaun Watson. They have J.J. Watt and, at least for now, Jadavion Clowney rushing the passer on the other end. So that's another team that I think they won the division last year and they could certainly repeat. And I think just in the case of all of these teams, to me, none of them right now are a definitive AFC championship contender. But- I think that all four teams, I don't think any four are complete garbage, but I think I think they all have a capped ceiling, though. Like, I think if whoever wins the division, I think they're going to go probably 10 and 6. Make yeah, the playoffs, I agree with make the divisional round. And who knows if they make the AFC Championship game or not. No, and I, I think that that is, that is fair. I think the Colts are the team with a healthy Andrew Luck, who could be an MVP candidate if he's able to play the majority of the season. They're the team with the highest ceiling. But when you look at all these other teams, I think that any one of them can win 10 games and win this division. And they all can reasonably believe they can get there just knowing that they have enough compared to some of the other teams around them. So that's kind of the way that I'm looking at this is that every team, even though they may not be a necessarily Super Bowl contender, they all have a reasonable shot to win this division. And I don't blame any of them for thinking that if things go a certain way, they can reasonably get there compared to some other teams who need a lot more things that go right than go wrong i do agree with you on the texans given with watson and hopkins and watt and Clowney on the defensive side and then with nick Foles now the quarterback of the jags instead of blake bortles and if they if their defense returns to what it was two years ago and not last year they can certainly uh, make make a run in the playoffs or make the playoffs and possibly make another run but yeah, the, the team I'm most bearish on is definitely the Titans, but Mike Vrabel came in last year as the new head coach, and and he's got he's got another year with them. And But it's, it's really just Mariota and Tannehill that do it for me in terms of them having basically no chance, for me, in my opinion, on, on winning the division. Uh, I think that uh, right now in the current situation, you can make the case that they all kind of have a chance at it. But if, if Luck does return to full health uh, relatively early in the season, 
I like the Colts way more than anybody else. I think that they finally got a supporting uh, cast for Luck that will allow him to thrive. They've got one of the best O-lines in the league. They've got targets for him outside in T.Y. Hilton and the newly acquired Devin Funchess. They've got uh, Marlon Mack in the backfield. They've got uh, Malik Hooker, one of the better safeties in the league, um, who's you know on their uh, you know watch hawking ball hawking in their secondary. So. I believe if Andrew Luck can take the the field for the majority of the games this season, that the, the Colts have the best chance of winning this division. I agree with that as well. But the thing is with Andrew Luck, I just I don't know if he is he permanently broken with all of the injuries. It sure he's seems had. like it. Yeah, it honestly, just, does seem like it. It's just two years ago he could barely throw a football, and then last year last year he did play, but there were times during the season where they had to bring in jo- Jacoby Brissett for hail mary situations because Andrew Luck couldn't throw past like 40 or 50 yards. So um, just having a bad O-line and a lack of weapons at the start of his career uh, and having just a dumb GM really hurt him in the beginning of his career. And now they have a GM that notices has noticed those issues, but I, I just wonder if it's too late for Andrew Luck to, to ever be the same again. Which would be really unfortunate because Andrew Luck has shown when he's healthy that he, he is a star in this league. And... The, the Colts, I, I agree. I think I would give them about a 40% chance to win this division, uh, assuming that Andrew Luck is more healthy than not. But I still like Houston, Tennessee, and Jacksonville. Maybe not a 20-20-20 split. I would probably lean more toward the defending champion Houston Texans. Uh, but the Titans went 9-7 and seven with Marcus Mariota and Blaine Gabbard as their quarterback last season. My, Marcus Mariota took him to not just a playoff berth, but a playoff victory in Kansas City in 2017. I don't think Marcus Mariota is a great quarterback. I think he's been somewhat of a disappointment at the number two overall pick. But he's found ways to lead this Titans team to moderate success. And I think if uh, the Colts struggle, the Texans struggle, the Jaguars don't make a huge leap, the Titans could very easily find themselves at 10-6 and six on top of this division. So uh, from there, right, let's, let's talk about a new addition that we believe will have the biggest impact on the division. So Ben, why don't you start us off for the AFC South? Okay, good. I'm glad I get to go first because I feel like this one's kind of obvious. Um, but Nick Foles for the the Jaguars, I think having a legitimate quarterback combined with the, if their defense ends up returning to form, which I believe it will, uh, then they could be a much bigger threat instead of what they were two seasons ago, which was amazing defense and hopefully Blake Bortles doesn't help the other team score. Uh, so I think if Nick Foles can just be a serviceable starter, a, a, ga- a, a game manager, and that defense can return to dominance, then uh, that would be a huge uh, addition for these Jaguars. So I would agree with Ben saying that Nick Foles is the biggest addition, but if I were to go with second biggest, uh, if the Colts were to win the division, it would have to uh, be of course because of the success of Andrew Luck and staying on the field but I also like the addition of Justin Houston as well uh, he's been uh, a very good linebacker or defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs for the past seven or eight years he had he had nine and a half sacks in 17 nine sacks last year he's not the same as he was several years ago when he had 20 plus sacks back in 2014 but I st- but helping that defense along with what how good their offense is already, 
uh, I think is going to make a huge impact on the defensive side of the ball for the Colts. Full certainly is the easy pick there, uh, but I, I also have a backup answer, and that is Roger Saffold, guard for the Tennessee Titans, came over from the Los Angeles Rams. He was a top 10 guard in the NFL last year, according to Pro Football Focus. He comes in, joins the Tennessee Titans offensive line, and th- that Titans team, they really could use a a little bit of a, a jolt in their offense. We saw what Derrick Henry can do late in the season when given the opportunities. Get someone in there who can help create some space for him, someone who can help block for Marcus Mariota, keep him upright, keep him throwing the ball. And I think if Saffold can come in and continue what he did with the Rams, the Titans' offense could maybe look a little better than uh, we maybe expect them to be. So uh, from there, who or what uh, do we think will determine a successful season for each team in this division we're going to start off with the houston texans um i'll go first i guess the texans i think they're they have to win the division here i think they want to get watson uh some postseason wins and i think their best way to get in that postseason is win this division punch their ticket and um get to those games that matter hopefully with a healthy offense um, I would love to see Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson all together um, in the, a playoff game because all those guys know how to come up in clutch situations, just Will Fuller can't stay healthy. I think they need to do more than just make the playoffs. I think they need to win at least one game. Every, every I swear, every single time they make the playoffs, they come in and then all of a sudden they get their butts kicked. And it, it just feels like Bill O'Brien isn't really a great head coach and I believe in the talent on their offense and even their defensive line. It's just every single time or every single year they go 9-7, or whatever, and they make the playoffs and then they just get – they lose in the wild card round. It it doesn't seem like they do enough with what how much talent they have on offense. So I think they need to do a little bit more than just make the playoffs. I think they need, you need to win at least one game, maybe even two. Playoff success has to be a goal for this Texans franchise because in nearly 20 years, they have never made it to an AFC championship game. seems like they're always competitive. Like you said, Brian, they can maybe get out of the first round. And to me, if this Texans team is going to get to where they need to be, the offensive line needs to be so much better than last year. 17 games, including the playoffs, 65 sacks allowed, the most in the league. We know that Deshaun Watson is capable of doing amazing things and in order to do that he's going to need that protection and the Texans offensive line doesn't need to be the best in the league but they can't be the worst and if this line can even be average I think the Texans offense with uh, Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and uh, the newly added running back from the Browns Duke Johnson Duke Johnson uh I think that they can they can be very exciting, but they need that offensive line to help them out this year in big ways to be successful. So next team, the Indianapolis Colts. Well, I know I've said it several times already, but it all depends on if Andrew Luck can stay healthy. Because if if he's not, they're probably going to go six and ten and miss the playoffs. But if he is healthy and only misses in first game or two they have a real shot of maybe making the AFC championship AFC championship game again and but it all depends on if Andrew Luck can stay healthy 
Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I agree with that. It all depends on luck. They've they've put a lot of good pieces around him, um, but I don't think they can really call it a successful season without him. Um, even if they do somehow cobble together a uh, above five hundred season, you know, with Jacoby Brissett playing substantially because he is a decent backup, um, I think it would be really disappointing for them to have anything outside of a healthy Andrew Luck at the end of week seventeen. Luck's health will absolutely be important to this team. I think based on some of the preliminary reports that it's just a question mark, is he going to be good for week one? Have me a little optimistic that he'll at least be good to go sooner rather than later. So assuming a healthy Andrew Luck, how about a consistency in the run game? We know they have some very capable backs in Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines. They just had trouble keeping it all together and staying on the field. I think if the Colts can have someone emerge as a guy that they can rely on for 16 games this season throw in a healthy Andrew Locke and that's what it's going to take for the Colts to take the next step and be legitimate Super Bowl contenders in this AFC so next team the Jacksonville Jaguars so I mean their offense should automatically be a little bit better with Nick Foles at quarterback instead of Blake Bortles but I think what's really going to take them over the top is if their defense can return to what it was two years ago. They were so good two years ago. They were by far the best defense. They almost beat Tom Brady and the Patriots in Foxborough with Blake Bortles as their quarterback. So if their defense can return to what it was two years ago, uh, I I like their chances of maybe winning the division and maybe even advancing uh, in the playoffs. Defensive resurgence is absolutely the answer here. Brian, yeah, I'm going to agree with you with that. Like you said, Blake Bortles was able to lead them to the AFC Championship game when they had arguably the best defense in the league. You just look at the numbers uh, and the way they dropped off from 2017 to 2018. They went from 55 sacks and 21 interceptions, both second in the league, to 37 sacks and 11 interceptions, tied for 22nd and 23rd, respectively. They don't necessarily need to be number two again or top five if Nick Foles can be a little bit of an improvement over Bortles. But as long as they're they're back toward that top 10 range, flirting with top five at the very least, I think that's going to get the Jaguars back in the playoff discussion this season. Yeah, I, I agree. The defense needs to be back in that elite territory and i think the addition of josh allen is going to be at least a little part of that uh one of my draft crushes back when i thought maybe the niners would be able to put together a couple more wins um unfortunately we did uh well or poorly enough however you want to look at it that josh allen um wasn't the best at his position when we went to draft but he is still a uh, really talented pass rusher and i think uh he's going to be a little extra gas in the tank uh for these jaguars getting back to that elite defense status i just think if their defense can really hit their ceiling with aj boye and jalen ramsey leading their uh leading the staff at cornerbacks and for the defensive line led by Calais Campbell and Miles Jack, I, their defense is scary when it's good. So it, it's all depending on the resurgence of their defense. Josh Allen at number seven to the Jaguars seems like the steal of the first round, uh, especially knowing the Giants took Daniel Jones over him and allowed Jacksonville the position to take him, which I don't think any mock drafts had him falling that far. So that'll certainly help getting their defense back to where it needs to be. And finally, the Tennessee Titans. Who or what will determine a successful season for them this year? Uh, if Mariota can prove in 
the final year of his contract that he is worth the number two overall pick that the Titans uh, used him at. And this is really his last shot of really proving if he can be that guy or not because so far, like you said, Corey, earlier, that he's been mostly a disappointment so far. Um, Some of that is injury-related, but it's also production-related as well on the field. So it's it's really up to Mariota to see if he can – uh, take that next step, or do the Titans have to move on with another per- another guy at quarterback? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Or they could uh, figure out how to make the offense work with Mariota, maybe as like asking less of him. And what's the best way to do that? Have your Heisman quarterback hand it off to your Heisman running back over 20 times a game, and I guarantee you, you'll see results. Give Derrick Henry the ball. I'm a big Derrick Henry believer, and... I think that that is their easiest out in the short term if Mariota truly isn't the quarterback they thought he was. If you can't tell by now, Ben had Derrick Henry on his fantasy teams last yeah, year. Yeah, I was actually I just about won, to, That was my I next won, question. I won my league because I kept him all season long, and he tore it up in the playoffs. And guess why he did that? Because they decided that he was the running back one instead of making him part of a committee backfield. So... The evidence is there. The answer is very, very obvious. That was it's actually just up, it's just up to the coaches to agree with me. That was actually the reason why I did lose in the championship last year. Why? Because of, because of Derrick Henry just killing it. Oh yeah. It. Oh yeah. I think Derrick Henry is going to be a big part of the Titans' success this season, especially with some of the uncertainty with Marcus Mariota. And I think that's what the Titans need to come away with this season. Have certainty in what they want to do with Mariota. Know that he is their franchise quarterback that they're willing to pay, whether that's making him one of the highest paid quarterbacks or giving him a a lower value that he's willing to agree to. Or on the flip side, be able to move on from him. Say, this is not a guy that we want to keep around at this much of a cost and if he's not willing to take a smaller deal then we're gonna try to find a new quarterback and I think that's that's what the Titans need to ultimately come away with this season not have any kind of uncertainty of what they're going to do with Mariota definitively know that he is their guy or he is not their guy all right so with that let's move on to the NFC South In 2017, the Saints had a little bit of a surprise resurgence, winning 12 games and ultimately the division. Right behind them, we had the Carolina Panthers and Atlanta Falcons also getting into the playoffs. There's reason to be big on the NFC South last season, but ultimately the Saints were the only one who were able to keep it up, being the number one seed, while the Panthers, Falcons, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers all failed failed to finish at or above 500. So, uh, just given how close the Saints were to going to the Super Bowl last year, knowing they have a very deep team again, and there were some disappointments last year in the rest of the division, can we say the Saints are pretty much a lock to win the NFC South for the third year in a row? Uh, I'm going to say yes, because I think if Carolina, I think Carolina and Atlanta can make some noise and maybe make the playoffs again, like two, they were like they, both of them did two years ago, but in terms of winning the division, I think the Saints are definitely a lock. I mean, after being one, not only one game but one minute away from uh, a Super Bowl appearance, they still have Breeze, Kamara, and Thomas leading their offense. They just added Jared Cook as a new tight end addition, uh, and they still have Cameron Jordan and Marcus, uh, Marcus, or excuse me, not Marcus, Marshawn Lattimore. 
leading their defense as well. They added Malcolm Brown, who was not great at the end of his Patriots career, but he was was a good player in the beginning of his Patriots career. Uh, I think I think the Saints are a lock. They're probably the best team uh, again in the NFC, and, and they're going to lock up maybe a one seed again. Yeah, I like the Saints to win this division. On paper, they're clearly the best team. Uh, what they did last season, they should have. They potentially could have been the best team in the uh, whole NFL. Who knows? Um, we certainly don't know uh, because of the way the refs decided to call that game. But if they're not going to win the division, obviously, <laughs> uh, well, I think it could either be the Falcons or the Panthers, not the Buccaneers. Uh, Matt Ryan, I didn't even realize this until I was watching some YouTube videos about quarterbacks, and Matt Ryan actually had a pretty amazing season last year, despite being a seven and nine, the quarterback of a seven and nine team. He he threw for four thousand nine hundred and twenty-four yards, thirty-five touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's like a pretty amazing stat line for a quarterback who didn't make the Pro Bowl while Mitch Trubisky did make the Pro Bowl. Uh, we'll get we'll talk more about the Pro Bowl later and what I think about that. But I think if Matt Ryan can continue that kind of elite quarterback play, there's no reason why the Falcons don't have a chance at winning this thing, especially if they can maybe match up against the Saints well at home and maybe get a win out of that uh, out of that series. So um, I could potentially see the Falcons potentially maybe on the off chance uh, dethroning the Saints. Um, and also in the back of my mind, just briefly, I always know that MVP Cam Newton could always return one day and totally destroy this division. So I don't know if it'll happen. It seems like he's gone for good, but I think that I have a feeling that one day he could return and then all bets are off for the NFC South. The Saints very likely to win the NFC South. Sure, they are the most talented, least flawed team. They won 13 games last year. They won the division comfortably. But are they a lock? No, they are not a lock. And when you look back at the Saints last season, they went 5-1 and one in one-score games. One-score games, certainly some teams do better than others, but for the most part, you think kind of a, a to- coin toss, a 50-50 proposition. First 12 years under Drew Brees and uh, Coach Sean Payton, that was just that, 40-37. and 37. So... If you assume that the Saints, maybe they don't have Justin Tucker missing the first extra point of his career with 24 seconds left in a one-point game. Maybe they don't have a third-string running back, Stephen Ridley, fumbling the ball with eight minutes to go when they're down by four. Maybe they don't have Zane Gonzalez, who's not even in the league anymore, missing two extra points and a field goal uh, to barely beat the Cleveland Browns with Tyrod Taylor still as their quarterback. So... Just taking away some of those, we're going to notch the Saints down a bit. And then, let's look at the quarterback position, Drew Brees. Drew Brees was phenomenal at the beginning of last season. The first 11 games he played in, he was 76.9% completion percentage, 2,964 passing yards, that's an 8.9 yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns, just a lone interception, and a 126.9 rating. By all accounts, he was an MVP candidate last season and would have been very deserving of the award if Patrick Mahomes didn't threaten NFL single-season passing records. And then if we look at Drew Brees, the way he finished the season, the final five games, 69.1% completion rate, 1,578 yards, so 6.8 yards per attempt, 
11 touchdowns, 4 picks, 92.9 rating. Those are very good numbers on their own. But those aren't the MVP type numbers for Drew Brees. And we saw how stagnant that offense could get, losing the Cowboys 13 to 10, barely beating the Panthers 12 to 9. I think that there's enough reason to believe that maybe Drew Brees isn't an MVP candidate again and that the Saints could maybe have some struggles. And at that point, they're going to have to rely on Alvin Kamara being a star again. They lost Mark Ingram. They replaced him with Latavius Murray. Is that enough to keep the running game balanced? You look at the defense, they're still going to be very good. But I think that there's enough of a reason to think the Saints could come back down into that 10-11 win range. And all it takes is one of these teams, like you said, the Panthers, the Falcons, to get to where they were two years ago. And all of a sudden, the Saints are more of a wild card team. All it takes is one of these teams, you know, the Panthers, yeah. the Falcons, no other teams. Um, Even one the Bucks, of these teams, like the Bruce Arians. <laughs> yeah, Heisman Trophy, trophy winning Jameis Winston as their that's, quarterback. That's right. So the the guy that, or I guess the team that I would throw out. I knew you were talking about the Falcons. How about those Carolina Panthers? Because on the flip side, the Panthers, after starting six and two, lost seven in a row. They beat the Saints week seventeen in a game that the Saints didn't try because they already locked up the number one seed. But in those seven games, they lost five of them by one score. And they got blown out by the Steelers. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sad, that yeah. They didn't but, just lose. No. They, they got blown out. I mean, <laughs> no one's really keeping track. They're all losses, right? Like, but they just wanted uh, to make sure. 52 to 21. But yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> the, the Panthers, if they can regress in the opposite direction, then I think that they're very much a team that I'm expecting to win close to 10 games if not right at 10 games and I think that if anyone's going to dethrone them I'm I'm pretty big on Carolina this year I think it's easy to forget just how good they looked uh, because of how poorly they played in that final eight games versus the first eight games but to me I, I don't think we can call the Saints a lock and I don't expect them to miss out on the playoffs entirely but it would not surprise me at all if they regress a little in uh, Carolina or even Atlanta with a little health, better improvements, and uh, they still have Matt Ryan, they still have Julio Jones. I think that both of those teams are going to be much more competitive this year, and the Saints won't cakewalk their way to 13 wins. I think for the Panthers, it's all about if, if Cam, Cam Newton can uh, recover from his bad shoulder injury from last year. I mean, he's already an accurate quarterback, He's, his the biggest part of his game is of course his legs, but I mean his his throwing motion with how bad his shoulder was banged up last year was really clear, and that's why they shut him down in the last couple of games of the season, especially since Carolina knew that they weren't going to make the playoffs. And I, yeah, it's really up to Carolina or Atlanta if you think you're if they're going to be better than what they were last year at seven and nine, both. You know, I don't want to totally sleep on the Bucks having a, a little bit of resurgence under Bruce Arians, but uh, no, I, no, Ryan Fitzpatrick is really going to hurt the Bucks. They're going to go zero and sixteen now without, uh, you know, go back up Ryan Fitzpatrick, not being there anymore. I think they have Blaine Gabbert as their backup now. He did okay for the Titans last year. Former Forty ers star. Yeah, okay is putting it. That's being very generous yeah, with Blaine is. Gabbert. All right, so let's uh, talk about a new addition to this division that we think will have the biggest impact. And I think it's my turn to go first. So NFC South, I'm looking at a guy who is changing teams within the division, defensive tackle Gerald McCoy for the Carolina Panthers. 
The Panthers' defensive line had a lot higher expectations going into last season than they ultimately finished, but they have a star in Mario Addison on the outside, and they use a first-round pick on Brian Burns. They have Dontari Poe in the middle. What do they do? They go out and take Gerald McCoy, who was cut loose by the Bucks, bring him in, and I think that that defensive line is going to be much improved this year, and ultimately that's going to be a big difference for the defense and entirely so I think if the Panthers are going to uh, actually win the division like I think they can it's going to rely on a guy like Gerald McCoy being a, a disruptive presence on that defense before yeah, I let me to, oh. let me well get, just because I have the same person I want to also just oh, piggyback off Corey because okay. it's obviously Gerald McCoy for me I think it's great that he's finally going to get a chance to play outside the Buccaneers organization and I'm, I'm being very harsh to the Buccaneers right now um, because I do like Jameis Winston I like Bruce Arians um, I especially like Mike Evans I think the Bucks have a lot of things to like about them but just looking at the results for as long as I've watched football, the Buccaneers have been so terrible in a way that is the most frustrating because they aren't the worst football franchise out there, but they are consistently close to the worst. So they don't get the prestige of being the actual worst. Like some people like to throw around, like obviously the Browns, but also the Lions. Um, the Buccaneers are a franchise where if you're not an actual NFL fan, you might not know that they exist. Um, and they're, I, even though I, I love a lot of the things they have going for them, Jameis really disappointed me last season. I thought that he would be able to take the reins for sure from Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was obviously not the case. And uh, it's, it's, all this to say, Gerald McCoy has been in a terrible situation his entire career, but he's been super dominant anyways. And now he'll have a chance to be on a defensive line where he's not the only name that people know. And he has a chance to be on a team that maybe goes above 500. So um, as much as I'm more, I think that him being added to the Panthers is a bigger impact on him maybe than he'll be on the Panthers. But he's a world-class player and he's going to be a solid addition for that Panthers D-line. So Ben was shaking his head the entire time I'm going on about Gerald McCoy, and I'm like, why does he hate on this pick? Who's he about to say? So. <laughs> I was just mad that I didn't get to say it first because I love this move. I'm so happy for him, and I can't wait to see those Panthers-Buccaneers matchups to see how Gerald McCoy does against his old quarterback. Before I was going to make my point, I was honestly just going to say that, yeah, Gerald McCoy was a great pick at uh, biggest addition to the nfc south i think that just he yeah it's like what you guys said he has been with the tampa bay buccaneers for so long and such a terrible uh football environment and it got to the point where it's like you either gotta pay me more or i'm out and he was out and now he's with the, the panthers not that they're a super bowl caliber team but they were a few years ago and who knows maybe uh like you said Corey, that they can improve on what they did last year and maybe make the playoffs and maybe win a division if the Saints aren't a lock like I think they are. Uh, so I do like the Gerald McCoy pick as uh, biggest addition, but I'll go with someone else. Uh, I'm going to go with Jared Cook because I, Mal Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara can't do everything in their offense. Uh, and Jared Cook for the past couple years with the Raiders has had a couple career years. I mean, uh, he had like over 14, 1,500 receiving yards and had six, um, for the past couple of seasons and had uh, six touchdowns last year with the Raiders. And I also like to point out the fact that I picked someone out of the University of South Carolina as my biggest, uh, yeah, best addition for the NFC South, and neither of you guys did. What's up with that? 
<laughs> I love Jared Cook. He's a little old, um, but I'm sure he'll be a great possession receiver for the Saints. So um, I think it'll be a good addition for them. Yeah. I, think, I think it'll be exciting to see how he does in that offense, uh, especially if Drew Bees can continue to play at a high level. Uh, what about Ndamukong Sue on the flip side, the guy that Tampa brought in to replace Gerald McCoy? I think he he had a, a much bigger impact on the Rams last season than a lot of people led to believe just because of how Aaron how, how good Aaron, Aaron Donald, Donald dominated. is. Yeah. yeah, but Sue certainly helped out. It'll be interesting to see if he can bring a little luster to that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. But Ben, like you said, Gerald McCoy was really good. He was a six-time Pro Bowler with them, and that's still only led to so much success so i don't know if sue is going to be a, a huge upgrade especially with the loss of jason beer paul for most of the season on that defensive line so uh finally before we wrap up the nfc cell let's talk about who or what will determine a successful season for all these teams and let's start off with the atlanta falcons uh i think for me it would be steal the division from the saints uh, because i still think at this point i I think the reason we asked that question, if the Saints are a lock, whether you believe it or not, they're favored to win. And I think the Falcons have the potential to be the better team, uh, but can't. Well, let's see it. And I think that would be a successful season for them. Uh, I'm going to say the same thing. I mean, the Saints-Falcons rivalry is one of the most underrated rivalries in, in football. And uh, I'm sure it crushes the Falcons that the Saints have been the team that's been better the past few years. And they still haven't really recovered from their 28 to three loss from the Super Bowl, or giving up the 28 to three lead in the Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, it would be great if they can for them if they can win the division instead of the Saints and possibly go deep into the playoffs. Especially if it is true that what Ben said that Matt Ryan uh, was actually good last year and it can improve on what he did last year. And who knows, maybe he could be the MVP again. If the Falcons are going to get back to there, they're going to need to stay healthy this year. Last year, injuries ruined their season before it really got going. Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, and Deion Jones on the defensive side of the ball, three of their bigger playmakers all missed most of the season on IR. Devontae Freeman got injured early on, and they just lost Tevin Coleman, so he's going to need to be able to stay healthy. I think if the, the Falcons can have a little better success in health, keep guys off injured reserve which those are just a few of them there are plenty more that wind up on that list for that team then the falcons are going to be in much better shape because we know they have the talent they just got to keep that talent on the field so next up carolina panthers i can get started with this one i'm going to say the defensive line we all talked about gerald mccoy if the panthers defensive line with all of the the guys they brought in, uh, particularly McCoy and first round draft pick Brian Burns, can come out and dominate. They can be a, a force. They can really help out Luke Keekley, really help out the rest of that defense. And I think that's that's going to be big for this Panthers team. We know that they have a, a great quarterback in Cam Newton, a star running back Christian McCaffrey. Get that defensive line going, and I think the Panthers can be much better this season. I'm going to say if the Panthers can get more help from their receivers, of course, Christian McCaffrey is their leading. Even though he's a running back, he's their best receiver, in my opinion. But I think if they can get a little bit more help from uh, new addition Chris Hogan, uh, and if DJ Moore can be the rise up and become the number one receiver on their team and was first-round pick just a couple years ago, and he had a decent year last year, but he wasn't really good last year. Maybe if he can... Uh, take a step in the right direction 
he can certainly make an impact for the the Panthers next year or this year. I just want to see MVP Cam come back. Bring the dab back. Come on. <laughs> I think if if Cam gets back to his MVP ways, I'll go ahead and say that the Panthers actually will win this division from the Saints. That'll be the that'll be the difference maker for the Panthers if if there could be more dabbing in the end zone. Yes, that that, <laughs> that will determine their success. Yes. More analytics dab. show, yeah, like the more dabbing that they do in the end zone, like the greater likelihood they that they end up in the Super Bowl. Like that's what's been missing, honestly, from the Panthers ever since they made their Super Bowl run um, was they stopped dabbing, and suddenly they wonder why they're not winning football games anymore. I mean, they're clearly missing the key ingredient here. Um, it doesn't take a like a, a football rocket scientist to see that. So actually, yes, the, the true mark of a successful Panther season this year is going to be whether or not they surpass that uh, 100 dabbing threshold uh, on the season. I want to know what their film sessions are like. I mean, does Ron Rivera go up there and says, all right, we got a key on the, the quarterback right here. And He's dabbing. Got, yeah. Brian well, is yeah, while the, the... discussing the plays, yeah, we gotta make sure we hold up that line. Yep. <laughs> just keep, right. just keep dabbing. Was... Yeah. Only, okay. only, only real analysis going on here on he's done. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about the Saints again. Okay, I think the Saints. Uh, it's easy. Run it back, and this time go to the Super Bowl. That's, I think anything else is a disappointment. You've largely got the same team coming back. You've got a lot of guys who are in the prime of their talent. And Drew Brees, who is nearing the end of his career, you would you would think, uh, just based on his age. <laughs> so you have to run it back. You deserved a Super, you deserved a Super Bowl berth last, last year. You know this. So you have to go back. Yeah, I'm going to say the key to, the, to their success is not getting screwed over by the refs again. Yeah. And if real analysis, yeah, Drew Brees is almost he's near the end of his career and it's really uh time for them to get to the promised land and bring home a Lombardi trophy with given how bounced their team is. Like so it's Super Bowl or bust for the Saints. Yeah, anything short of a Super Bowl victory will be a major disappointment for a Saints team that came so close last year and two heartbreaking losses in the playoffs. I think, the, to me, the biggest key is their defense because when the Saints have a really good defense, they have a really good team, and they have a lot of playoff success. When they don't, they struggle. And I think the Saints are going to have a really good defense again. So I'm not going to write them off. I know I was playing devil's advocate earlier, but I think the Saints absolutely should be the favorites in the NFC. And I think if their defense can continue to play like it has the past two seasons, they can make up for Drew Brees maybe falling off a little bit, uh, just knowing how good the rest of that team is. And that's what it's going to take for them to reach their ultimate success of finally uh, winning another Lombardi trophy that has eluded them for the last 10 years. So finally, let's wrap things up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, I kind of said the a similar opinion with the Titans, but Jameis Winston has also been a bit of a disappointment uh, being drafted at number one overall the same year as Mariota. It's really, and now that Ryan Fitzpatrick is gone, it's really, if can he step up this year or is it time for the bucks to move on as well yeah just to, to put exactly what you just said in different words uh, a successful season for the buccaneers is save Jameis's career he is looking he, he I, who knows what happens if he has another year like last year um in in this contract year for him so i think if they can save Jameis's career and keep that check that that box checked that they have a franchise quarterback i think that would be huge for the buccaneers moving forward 
Yeah, for the Bucks, it's going to be the same as the Titans. Uh, Mariota went number two. Jameis went number one. Both of these guys have failed to prove themselves as uh, long-term franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. The Bucks brought in Bruce Arians. If he can come in and, and mold Jameis Winston into a guy that Tampa can feel confident in moving forward, even if they don't necessarily have the same kind of uh, playoff success that some of the other teams in the division have had recently, they can feel good about themselves. And if if not even Arians can fix Winston, then they can maybe feel a little more confident and move on knowing that there are a few really good quarterbacks they could take in the draft this year. So to me, a successful season for the Bucks is knowing what to do with Jameis Winston in 2020. That is a good point that they would have more confidence in knowing whether or not Winston is the next guy since they have Bruce Arians now as the new head coach and not Dirk Cutter or whoever it was the last couple of, couple of seasons. And you could clearly tell Winston has not been great but Bruce Arians has been a good coach throughout his career he came in for I think it was Chuck Pagano with the mm-hmm. Colts with that one year where the Colts made the playoffs and and he was with the Cardinals and he had some success there with Palmer as well so yeah if if he's the quarterback guru I guess is what we can call it um if if you can turn around Winston's career that'd be great but if Winston still stings then yeah maybe it is time to move on Aaron's is a very good coach. He came out of retirement for a reason. I don't. I think that this division is very good, and that's a bit of a detriment to the box. But I won't totally rule out the possibility of uh, the the two of Arians and Winston coming together and uh, maybe surprising some people this year. All right. So with that, let's move on to the end of our show. That is a top five, and we've been doing. NFL themed topics for the past two episodes and this week we're going to continue that by counting down the things that we would most want to change about the National Football League in today's top five not two not three not four top five top five top five all right I'll get us started off uh, with my top five things I'd like to see change in the NFL with number five shorter preseason I think the preseason is too long. Uh, they play too many games, really, is what I'm saying. I don't think that they shouldn't be able to report to camp or whatever early enough. But every year I sit down to watch football, and I'm like, okay, which one of my favorite players is going to be out for the year before the year even begins this time? And I think part of that has to do with the preseason. And I think that one, maybe two games, two games max, uh, would be a much better preseason. And uh Maybe you can use that extra time you have from shortening the preseason for other things uh, later on, which I'll get to later in this list. Uh, But shorter preseason is my number five. Number four, better broadcast angles. One of the most frustrating things about watching football is knowing that the wide receivers are doing something super awesome right off camera, and you won't notice it until they will show you the replay. Um, and I've noticed this is a little, this is changing a little bit, at least in the preseason games I've watched so far this year. Uh, I've seen a lot more having the camera behind the quarterbacks. So you can see the entire field and a like kind of zoomed out broadcast angle that as the play develops, the camera kind of reads the play. And if it's a passing play, it will zoom out to keep the wide receivers and cornerbacks within the frame a little bit better, at least. And uh, I think that those things are important. And if you can, uh, there's so much to see on screen every time a play is run, uh, but showing us more and giving us the option to choose what we want to look at instead of just the quarterback and offensive line, I think would make it that much more satisfying to watch. So better broadcast angles comes in at number four for me. Number three, less commercials. This one's obvious. I don't have to talk your talk your head off about this one there's too many commercials in football obviously and they're getting 
more and more numerous. They even have like where the quarterback like gets the last few words from the from his head coach, and he like trots over to the to the huddle to begin the drive. They'll run an ad right quick in the middle. Like the camera will still show him doing that little jog, but they'll run like a ten second ad right there. Please no. You know, it's I know advertising helps them be able to broadcast all this stuff, but it gets really annoying. So less commercials, please. That's my number three. Number two, and this is uh, going back to shortening the preseason, opening up a couple other or weeks within the season. How about two bye weeks instead of one? I hate to see a team have their bye week in week four, and then they spend the rest of the season. Like, I guess, you know, it'd be really nice if we could get a week off like some of these other teams, but uh, we wasted it here at the beginning at no fault of their own. So I think having two bye weeks, and then you could make sure that every team gets a bye week during the season, and then they also get a, a bye week to make up for having to play uh, Thursday night football. So you could use that bye week to kind of buffer and make sure that you can not have teams with four days of rest going in and killing themselves on Thursday night. Um, so I, I think that would just even the playing field as far as the impact of buys and also make the season longer. Believe it or not, we could get more football with the same amount of games. Uh, you just have more weeks where your team isn't playing. Uh, so two by weeks at least uh, is my number two. And my number one, get rid of fan voting in the Pro Bowl. Um, I mentioned that earlier Mitch Trubisky was a Pro Bowl quarterback while Matt Ryan isn't. This is uh, objectively false. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is not a better quarterback, even if his team was better. And I think it's ridiculous that the Pro Bowl is less about accolades that you actually achieved on the field and more about how much clout you have within the league. So I I would love to see them remove fan voting and do it more off of what the coaches uh, think and what the players are actually achieving on the field. And uh, I think that would be a more, a more proper representation of who the best players are in this league. Uh, I don't mean to hate on Mitch Trubisky too much, but he's just no, a keep glaring keep, example. Keep it, keep it going. He's, just, keep the he's a glaring ex- example of why the Pro Bowl with it's already a meaningless game but also just the honor uh, of being sent to a pro bowl is also somewhat meaningless because they're giving it to the people who have the best social media following and not necessarily the best football skills so at number one on my top five things i like to see change about the nfl is get rid of fan voting for the pro bowl it's also meaningless because they send them to orlando every year now send them back to hawaii make the pro bowl more fun uh trubisky by the way will be a deserving pro bowler this year i'll We'll talk about that wow. in future episodes. But. Well, because you're going to vote for him a thousand yes, times? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, for, before I get to my list, I'd just like to say that at number one last week for go, uh, greatest backups of all time, I picked Josh McCown. And then a few days later, he gets signed by the Philadelphia Eagles to be the backup quarterback for Carson Wentz. So... Uh, part of me wants to take credit for for that happening, but maybe I can't take all the credit. And it also makes me feel better about what we talked about a couple weeks ago with the Eagles quarterback situation. Uh, I feel a lot better now that if if once were to get hurt, McCown can still can step up, step in and uh, and help the Eagles get in the postseason, and uh, hopefully not too much further in being the Patriots again. But uh, I feel more confident about that. Um, so for my number five, I went with the changing the substance abuse policy. Uh, I just think that, in my opinion, when it comes to uh, steroids for football players, I really, really don't care what the football players do to to help. It's just that 
football players take so much of a beating in throughout the regular season that whatever it takes to stay on the field, whether that's taking steroids or medical marijuana, I really don't care what they're on. Just try to get back on the field as soon as possible and as healthy as possible. So I'm not the best, most educated person on that topic, but I wish it was a little bit different and they were more lenient on things. So I'm, I went with that as my number five. My, my, my number four, I went with less flags. The amount of times I see a big play in a game, whether it's watching a Patriots game or another game, and then almost all of a sudden a whole a random holding play, a random holding call from the other side of the field happens and brings the play back 10 yards, just ruins it for me. And uh, I, I can't stand how many flags there are. Some of that is the player's fault, but some of some of it is also the refs just wanting to be, wanting to be a part of the game and throw as many flags as possible. And it, I'm just not a fan of it. So I went with less flags as my number four. My number three, I went with quicker replays. Uh, I just think that I just think there there should be if it's super blatantly obvious uh, missed calls, it they should re- they should reverse it. But if it's if it's not super easy to call or reverse, and you got to look at it a million angles, and it's already taking up too much time, just forget it. Just it should just whatever the call is on the field, just keep it that way. But if it's blatantly obvious, like what happened in the NFC Championship game, they should change it. Um, so I went with that as my number three. My number two, Ben already said it, less commercials. Uh, I can't stand all the commercial breaks. I just hate when it's kickoff, commercial, three and out, punt, commercial, uh, challenge on the play, commercial. And then like Ben mentioned, I also hate the ads during challenges or timeouts. And we got to see, uh, oh, Dunkin Donuts is now selling two bagels for $4. America runs on Dunkin. And then the play starts. I I hate that so much. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing... They, should, they yeah. should have the quarterbacks change their audibles to be ads. It's like, you know, $4.99, $4.99, iced coffee special, iced coffee. America runs on Dunkin, hut. Like, <laughs> Protect yourself from mayhem, hut, hut, hike. <laughs> <laughs> this is genius. Uh, oh, that, that, that is a ads. great idea. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm just sick of I'm sick of Chris Paul and the State Farm guy. I'm sick of flow and I'm sick of all the insurance people. So I went with uh, less commercials as my number two and my number one. Uh, ben kind of talked about it already, given the injuries, uh, with how long the preseason is. I went with get rid of Thursday night football. I can't stand Thursday night football. It's just my least favorite thing about it is just that it's not good for really anyone outside of the high-powered people who make money off of it. I, It's not good for the players' health whatsoever. Uh, we've seen Richard Sherman and J.J. Watt and numerous stars in the past gotten injured, a lot of it because of Thursday Night Football. And I also don't think, I just think the it's not good for the fans either. The quality of the games kind of suck too as well. Uh, and Now, I'll admit, last year it grew on me a little bit because of some of the matchups we were able to see last year, including early in the season, we got to see Browns Jets, which is not a great matchup, but it was Sam Darnold versus Baker Mayfield, um, just an, as an example. So the matchups have gotten a little bit better, but I still hate it. It's just, it, it doesn't do good for anyone. And I, I mean, maybe if they added two bye weeks or a bye week before the Thursday night football game, maybe it could grow on me a little bit more, but just, the fact that it's so obvious that the players just aren't up for it after playing uh, 
on Sunday and you you gotta play three four days later on Thursday night, Thursday night is just the worst to watch not just as a fan but I can't only imagine how much it sucks as a player so get rid of and another thing is I just think it's oversaturation with thir- Thursday night football I like the fact that it's only once a week and occasionally of course on Monday night but just having it on Thursday night it's just it just feels so oversaturating and it's it's not good for for the players health and it's not good for fans it's really not good for anyone so get rid of, getting rid of Thursday night football would be my biggest change as number 1 I thought about including that one on my list, but you know, I, I love football. I'm, I'm willing to tolerate Thursday nights. You guys hating on those in-game commercials. Like, I would rather have a gecko talk to me for 30 seconds while Drew Brees tells Alvin Kamara to run left to the outside than take like a five-minute cutaway to a real commercial break. So I think the NFL is doing a good job addressing those concerns, and hopefully they you guys have can plenty of five-minute commercial breaks. They cut away. Okay, but instead of having I, ten, it doesn't they only feel like six. they replaced one. They it feels like they inserted another one. They're like, ooh, there's still room for another ad in here. Let's just inject that right they, quick. And it's not even just football. They do that in baseball too. And like, oh, yes. here's here's the one-one pitch. Oh wait, we got catcher's going to take a break. Let's let's look at this quick ad from Bank of America. <laughs> It's the hey, worst. that's what they made Red Zone for, right? No commercials. That's right. That's right. All right. Every penny. <laughs> so I'll get started. My number five. So, Brian, you talk about less flags. How about less defensive personal fouls specifically? I get the NFL is all about player safety and that they want to protect their offensive stars, but it just feels like playing defense has become difficult. And last season, it, it got out of hand with all the different roughing the passers and hitting defenseless receivers. I don't know if there's a perfect solution to it and wanting the best of both worlds, but I, I would just love to find a, a utopia where we can have safe football without having to throw a flag every other play. Number four, onside kicks used to be exciting. Now with the new kickoff rules, another player safety thing, it's almost impossible. There were 52 attempts last year. Only four were recovered by the kicking team. Uh, there are a lot of different solutions. I don't think that they're going to change the kickoff rules back. Why not a 4th and 15 play? The offense can keep the ball. If they're losing late in the game, you get one shot at it. It's about a 20% success rate, the same as the old onside kicks. That's kind of where you want it to be. Enough of an excitement, but a difficult enough challenge that it's not just going to result in the team keeping possession every single time. Number three. This is the worst rule in sports. If a player is running toward the end zone and they lose the ball just short of the pylon and it goes out of bounds, the offense gets the ball at the half yard line. But if that ball comes out and it goes just over the pylon, the defense gets a touchback. That makes no sense to me. I think the worst case scenario is the offense should be backed up to the 10, maybe even put them at the 20 yard line. I would love to see the offense just get the ball at the one. It doesn't make sense to me that just the where the ball happens to land on the opposite side of the goal line results in a turnover. So that's that's one of the easily one of the bigger things that I'm looking to get rid of. But it's only number three. It's number two. What was what is the best thing invented uh, in terms of media changes to sports in the last decade? The NCAA tournament broadcasting every single game live on TV. We have access to all of these channels. It's not just CBS. Why can't the NFL do the same thing? Put all the games on TVs. You look at Fox. They have uh, the 
the main station, Fox, we have FS1, FS2, FX, FXX, and CBS is CBS Sports Network. They also, like at the NCAA tournament, have TNT, TBS, True TV. It's possible to get all these games on TV, and maybe it'll hurt the NFL Sunday ticket, but you know that all the fans are going to love being able to watch these games, and they're going to make plenty of that money back regardless. I would love to be able to just have every game on TV. I do love this pick because the amount of times I wake up on Sunday and I see the Patriots game on one channel, but then the other channel is like uh, Bill's Buccaneers on Fox or whatever, and then the rest of the games I can't even watch because it's blocked. I do hate that a lot, so mm-hmm. I, I do love that choice. It would be great making these games nationally, not just regionally anymore. Uh, but my number one, no more Patriots dynasty. We've all had enough. Six Super Bowls, Brian. That that's plenty in the last eighteen years, and it, it it's sad that this feels like the most unrealistic change that could happen in my top five. I, I'm just I'm ready for it to be over with. If I could change anything, that would be gone. Belichick gone. Tom Brady gone. Just into retirement. No more Patriots dynasty. All those other things would be luxuries, but this is the one that I want to happen, and I just lose faith that it's going to happen every single year that the Patriots get back to the Super Bowl. See, of course, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've been so dominant and they're always so well coached and prepared, but I also think it's because the AFC, particularly the AFC East, has been really bad. Oh, especially the AFC East, though. I mean, you can make a case that the second best quarterback of the past 20 years in the AFC East is maybe Jimmy Garoppolo which might not look good right now but (laughs) I can make a case that the backup quarterback of the Patriots has been the second best quarterback of that division maybe Chad Pennington early in his career when he was healthy but you act like Mark Sanchez didn't win a playoff game in Gillette Stadium yeah it was all about their defense it was it's another Jacksonville Jaguar situation It, it was all about Revis Island and their defense it Mark Sanchez was just along for the ride all right, that uh, so that that's gonna wrap up a, another episode of He's Done It. Uh, as a reminder, this is the third of our NFL series. If you haven't listened to either of the first two, go back and give those a listen. Next week, we'll be talking AFC West and NFC West. We finally have uh, regular season football coming up so soon. So, with that, for my co-hosts Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks, everyone.